and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School premium audio and podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Michael Benner. Happy to be with you today. Our topic in this episode is unity, duality, and the middle way. This is sort of the one, two, three of the way the universe expresses itself. And I think you'll find this really, really interesting, maybe even as fascinating as I do spent a lot of time studying all of this over the years, and it continues to intrigue me, the uh, interest that the universe has in expressing itself in these ways. We'll start with unity, and let me mention, if you really like the podcast, the first 20 minutes or so, and would like to hear the entire program, join those who've registered for a single program, uh, 13 episodes for a nice discount, or for the deepest discount, 52 episodes, you can register at our primary website, theagelesswisdom.com. Now, the T-H-E is part of the address. So after the W's, theagelesswisdom.com. I say it that way, even though nobody uses the W's anymore. TheAgelessWisdom.com. Click on Premium Audio and Podcast, then on Premium Audio, and you can use PayPal, your credit or debit card of choice, or your ATM card, in most cases, to enroll in a single class, as they say, a 13-week package, or 52 episodes for the deepest discount. And then you're going to get a 90-minute program each time. And that usually includes a meditation exercise that we just don't have time for in the uh, the podcast. Sometimes we do, but if you want the whole thing, register at theagelesswisdom.com. You get a special email with the link to that program. Then you can download it or listen to it streaming. Podcast folks, well, you know, there's the iTunes store, but... Also, some really nice streaming services if you want to listen on your telephone, smartphone, that is, or your tablet, iOS or Android. And uh, Stitcher is one that I recommend. Also, Player FM if you have Android. Uh, Pod Directory is nice, and they all play on your computer as well. Then you can stream the program without having to necessarily download it or subscribe to the free podcast. That's how that works. But if you do enroll for the premium training, you'll have that same option to listen streaming or download it and keep it. That's totally up to you. Theagelesswisdom.com. So let's talk about unity, duality, and the middle way. Unity, first of all, seems like a good place to begin. In the beginning, there was one thing. The ancient Egyptians refer to the source of all that is as the one life or the one thing. It's as simple as that. Now, religious people will say, oh, you're talking about the one God. Monotheism is a way of explaining Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. The idea of one God, a creator, Some say a being, some say in a more esoteric way, no, uh, consciousness or an awareness 
not necessarily a human-shaped form or being living outside its creation, but essentially monotheism, though it has that prefix mono, meaning one, just as universe, una, means one, still monotheism in each of these three Abrahamic religions has the creative force or the creator as a being living outside its creation. To suggest that God lives within its creation is known as pantheism, and Christians in particular among the three are very opposed to that concept. It makes it difficult to talk about Christ being God because anybody standing next to Christ would not be God, right? Whereas pantheism says, well, everything's sacred. Everything is an expression of God. That animal, that tree, that river, that sky, it's all God expressing itself. So that pantheistic view of God equals nature is very anti-Christian, at least the way Christianity is interpreted traditionally. All right, that's monotheism. Now, monism has that same prefix, mono, meaning one, but monism, which we find primarily in Eastern philosophy, says the appearance of separation is merely an illusion, that there is no separation, that physical dense is an expression, a manifestation, a reflection, if you will, of the infinite source of the one life or one thing. And it's no more separate than a movie is as a reflection of light on the wall or movie screen, separate from the projector. In a sense, it's separate, but it's a reflection of a projection from over your shoulder. You turn away from the movie projector and look at its reflection on the wall and can get very involved in the dark theater and sometimes forget it's only a movie. And monists have that same view. They try to do a practice that allows them to be perpetually cognizant of the fact that we're living inside the mind and the heart of God itself and that everything is sacred and God is in everything. The Eastern greeting namaste means essentially I greet the divinity within you before I acknowledge your persona nature, your personality or your character or your ego. And I honor and respect that with a little bow and, and hands pressed together in front of the heart, sometimes in front of the forehead, which is an even higher acknowledgement of that divinity within, usually reserved for gurus or nuns and uh, holy women and men. So that's the difference between monism and monotheism. It's an important distinction, but mono, right, one, unity, universe, is the thread that runs through all of that in a spiritual or metaphysical sense. There are other ways to look at the universe expressing itself in an ultimately unified way. One would be to consider that our entire solar system and more and 
every cell in your body, every molecule, if we go down to that level, originated in the same star. An ancient star that exploded millions and millions of years ago, yielding not only the hydrogen and helium that made up that star initially, but a hundred or more other elements most of which were formed under intense pressure and heat in the center of a star. That's the only place these other elements with higher atomic numbers could possibly be formed under intense heat and pressure. And then as the star explodes, these molecules go out into the universe. Some coalesce as rocks, as asteroids and meteors and planets, and in some cases, new stars. And then each of us as human beings, as animals, the plants and the mineral kingdom that supports us all are from the same exploded star. So that's another way of looking at unity. And a third way that occurs to me that we could look at unity is to acknowledge that human beings anyway Every single individual living on the planet right now carries a genetic marker that identifies us as a member of a small tribe of less than 10,000 people that lived in Western Africa 200,000 years ago. So when someone says, well, there's really only one human race remaining, all the others Neanderthal, for example, and other humanoid-type races of higher-evolved primate beings, they're all extinct. They've vanished for one reason or another. Only the Homo sapiens survived. That's us. And we all carry a marker that identifies us as members of this very small tribe or community. So the idea that humanity is a single family is literally true. We really are. So that's another way of looking at unity, either in a spiritual or metaphysical way, one God, monotheistic, living outside its creation, or one God, monism, everywhere equally present, in and around, of and by all things. Molecularly, we all come from one star, Genetically, we all come from one family. Until we get some evidence that there are multiple sources or streams of reality, any evidence at all would be curious. There is none. We have to then assume that whatever your view of the unified source of the universe, there it is again, it is singular and unified in its nature. Now, duality. This is really interesting that unity expresses itself primarily in dualism. First and foremostly as gender, male and female. We see this in Chinese philosophy as the yin and the yang, sort of a reference to polarity. And you may know that Taoism sign, the circle with the sine wave moving through the center of it. One side is white, the other side is black, and there's a dot of the opposite in each. 
indicating that there's no place that's totally one or the other. It's always a blend, a relative degree of blackness or whiteness. And that's very wise. Plus the sine wave, it's not a straight line that cuts that circle in half. It's a peak in a valley. It's a vibration. All energy vibrates. It goes up and down and up and down, positive and negative, yin and yang, male and female. The in-breath, the out-breath, everything ultimately is energy. Even physical mass ultimately is energy. Einstein proved that mathematically, and energy vibrates. It has its seasons, its periods, its amplitude, its positive vibration, the peak, and its so-called negative vibration, not a bad vibration, it just goes the other way, the valley, or the in-breath and the out-breath, or the tides, or the waves, or the seasons, the cyclic nature of all things is fundamentally dualistic. The Even if you pedal a bicycle and you say, well, the pedals are going around and around, yeah, well, they're also going up and down. I mean, it's ultimately dualistic, right? Just think of a guitar string or a piano string or stretch a rubber band and ask somebody to pull it down and let it go. Everything vibrates up and down, back and forth. That's the nature of energy. Find the right note on the piano and the snare drum over in the corner vibrates all by itself, right? Sympathetic oscillation, vibration. The universe is ultimately energy. A single energy that manifests in a myriad of ways, but ultimately there is this dualism, this gender, male and female, this yin and yang, positive and negative. We have electromagnetic polarity also, but keep in mind these are not really opposites, for there is no place in the magnetic field that is totally positive or 100% negative. Take a bar magnet as an example, or the earth itself. The magnetism of the field around the earth or around the bar magnet is such that you measure that field with two values, positive and negative. So if you're very close to the North Pole of a bar magnet, it might be measuring 90% positive and only 10% negative. But there is no place in the bar magnet, on the bar magnet, or in the field around the bar magnet that is completely north or completely south. It's paradoxical. You cannot have a magnetic field that is either all positive or all negative. If you break a bar magnet in half, the electrons will realign and you'll still have a positive pole and a negative pole. This is the fundamental duality of electromagnetism, of electricity, and the vibration of all energy. And so... To see this in spirituality as well is to expand your understanding of the way physical energy works at a metaphysical level. There are many other examples of duality. 
the symbiosis, for example, between the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom, where the plants essentially exhale oxygen and inhale carbon dioxide, and the animal kingdom doing the opposite, or perhaps better said, the complementary cycle, for it is not really in opposition any more than the south pole of the bar magnet opposes the north pole of the bar magnet. It's not like one pole's the good pole and one pole's the bad pole. You could have a pair of pants or a pair of gloves. It's not that, oh, the left glove is the bad glove and the right glove is the good glove. Just because two things are different doesn't mean one is better than the other. This is a problem with her thinking that I'll talk more about it in a minute when we get to false dichotomies. And there is that two-ness, again, dichotomy, false dichotomy. So a pair of pants doesn't have one good leg and a bad leg. When we talk about the symbiosis between the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom, this is a wonderful thing. It makes our lives possible. Animals, including humans, inhale oxygen, O2, and exhale CO2, carbon dioxide. And fortunately, our existence is made possible by a plant kingdom that complements that by inhaling carbon dioxide and exhaling oxygen, making it available for the animal kingdom. That's symbiosis. It's a beautiful balance, which is why we can't cut down all the rainforests and pollute the oceans because that's where our oxygen comes from. And, of course, as we look at the environment as the ecosystem, the life support system, we see finer variations and gradations of this interreliance, this beautiful interdependence of, of life that you can appreciate if you have just a little bit of an education, but which corporations tempted by big profits and the drive to make ever more money and buy other corporations and centralize the economy often overlook. And so they're passing laws that ban regulation and their idea of freedom often is the freedom to poison the air and the water and our foods and this is a serious problem because the only weapon we have against it is education, sophistication, better understanding of the delicate nature of the life support system, the ecology, which, again, is basically dualistic. Though we see the one in the many, we see unity and diversity within it. A single life support system requires a diverse gene pool and diversity of species and diversity of individuals within those species. It's, it's really, you know, the way natural selection works. Again, evolution is not a theory. If you are passionate about your religion and your spirituality, you need to understand that evolution is a way, maybe not the only way, but certainly a primary way that divinity expresses itself and knows itself out into the world. 
the idea that we must choose between believing in creation or evolution is a classic false dichotomy. And that brings us to false dichotomies in the middle way, the threeness of things. False dichotomies is a denial of the threeness of things, much less the possibility that there may be four options or five or six, seven, eight or more. False dichotomies come out of the all or nothing thinking that is born as a result of gender, the fact that we only have two hemispheres of the brain that sometimes oppose each other, and ultimately the fight or flight response. The hardwired logic that if you're not a friend, you're an enemy. If you're an enemy, you cannot be a friend. I've worked for a couple of years training sheriff's deputies in Orange County, California, and they all spend five years as jailers before they're allowed to go out onto the street as deputies who patrol and have a variety of other assignments. And often in the jail, this all-or-nothing, either-or thinking predominates. It's very easy to slip into a pattern of what sometimes is called monarchism, this all-or-nothing thinking. You know, a, a jailer, a police officer knows that he's not a bad guy because he's not locked up. He gets to go home at the end of the day and comes back to the jail the next day, punches the time clock and signs into work, and then at the end of the shift gets to go home again. So he must be a good guy. And the guys in the funny-looking jumpsuits on the other side of the bars, they're locked up. They're obviously the bad guys. Now, does that mean there never was a bad cop or there never was an inmate or a prisoner that had something redeeming, something good about them? Well, of course not, yet it's real easy to fall into that way of thinking, you see. And we do that in our lives because many of our games are set up as only two teams competing against each other, like football or baseball or basketball or hockey or tennis or many others. Golf would be an example of a game that's not either or. There's a whole field of players and who wins is this individual and this guy here. He came in second and she came in third. And Okay, but many of these other games, there is one winner, and that means the other team lost. Uh, board games like checkers and chess and my favorite, backgammon, you have only two players. There can't be three or four. Some board games have three or more players, but... Games like chess, checkers, and backgammon, one person loses, that means the other person is a winner, or vice versa, depending on how you look at it, right? There's only two ways anything can be, but to overlay that against your view of the world, you know, I read a book, was it good or bad? I saw a movie, well, was it a good movie or a bad movie? Well, it's somewhere in between. What? In between, in the middle, what are you talking about? Did you enjoy that meal? Yeah, it was really delicious. Well, you know, life is relative, truth is relative, but many people, especially when stressed, have a hard time with this middle way. 
and therefore fall into the trap of false dichotomies. The classic in this country was the love-it-or-leave-it mentality of the 60s and 70s as a counterculture began to emerge that was in favor of civil rights and feminism and opposed to foreign war. It clashed with the main culture, which President Nixon called the silent majority. The fact that we only have two political parties and that they're dominated by only two ways of thinking, liberal or conservative, each having a high level of contempt for the other, indicates it's a reflection of this Manichaeism, this either-or thinking and the false dichotomies. Basically, it denies neither, both, sometimes, maybe, and the relative nature of things, like when does fast become slow or slow become fast? When does big become small? You'll say, well, it depends. You know, When does cold become really hot? Well, it's a matter of degree, someone might say. We even describe temperature as a matter of degree, right? Though, essentially, that's a reference to the swing of the pendulum. How many degrees did it swing out? Was that 15 degrees or 30 or 45 degrees? You see, the relative nature of things is where we break open the Manichaeism, the all-or-nothing thinking, the either-or philosophy, and find the space between stimulus and response. That's another way of looking at it. The more stressed, the more anxious, nervous, or frightened we are, the less likely we are to recognize the space between stimulus and response, between what's done to us and what we do with it. There is a space there where we can perceive, where we can contemplate, where we can choose an appropriate response rather than rely upon a reflexive reaction, uh, often called a knee-jerk reaction. And how many times do we end up regretting and resenting what we've said or done because it was reflexive, it just popped out. We just reacted without any thought, without exploring our feelings. Well, one has to learn to account for this, to manage their stress and their anxiety, to become more aware of their thoughts and their feelings and the choices we have and how we behave, and to open up that middle way between stimulus and response. Now, equanimity is another nice way of talking about this. We can talk about it as the relativism or the equanimity, uh, reference to even-handed and even-temperedness, a balance between extremes. What's appropriate? There's another word for relativism. What is appropriate? And I think another nice way to look at breaking out of Manichaeism or either-or thinking into third-way mentality is Hegel's dialectic. Now, notice the D-I prefix in the word dialectic. That's a reference to two. And 
Hegel postulated that any time there is a thesis, a primary worldview about anything, somebody's going to disagree with it for whatever reason and therefore be in opposition, and that would be the anti-thesis or the antithesis. Well, Hegel's dialectic says the thesis and antithesis will conflict and grade against each other. There will be friction and back and forth, a kind of a struggle, until a synthesis emerges. There's your middle way. A synthesis emerges that is a little bit of both. A good example that comes to mind is our understanding of physics since Einstein. Now, he basically proved that Newton was wrong about a number of his laws of motion. But to say Newton was wrong, then why are Newtonian laws of physics still taught? Well, because for large objects moving at relatively slow speeds, those laws of motion still work. It's only when we get to tiny little particles, subatomic particles, moving at enormous rates of speed that those laws bend a little bit, and we have to bring Einstein's theories of relativity to bear. So it's not that Newton was wrong so much as that he was incomplete. Gosh, remember that. The next time you get confused and you see two different things that are both somehow true or valid, but to a varying degree, and you go, well, how could this be? How could these opposite things be true? Either it's Newton or Einstein. They're very different. They can't both be true. Yes, they can, (laughs) to a relative degree. Again, the point at which fast becomes slow, big becomes small, or hot becomes cold is a matter of degree. That's all relative. It depends on the situation. And... Truth is a matter of degree, then. There are are no absolutes. If there is an absolute, it's the unity we talked about at the beginning of this program. The infinite source of all things, God or nature or the creator, would be the only absolute. And in that case, we capitalize the word. It's used in philosophy that way, capital A, absolute, to refer to the infinite source, the creative force behind all things, when the philosopher wants to avoid anthropomorphizing God as a man or a human-shaped being living outside its creation. Now, that's a lot of information, more than the 20 minutes we normally podcast, but at this point, I'm going to Say goodbye to the podcast people. We gave you a little bonus, but I wanted to get all of that in and let this thing stand on its own. We'll continue for those of you who have enrolled or who are about to enroll in the next few days as a result of hearing this podcast at theagelesswisdom.com. We normally go 90 minutes, and there's usually two parts to the program, each one about 45 minutes long. And we'll do the same thing. So I'm going to go a little further, and we're going to talk about how this applies in a practical way in your life, how to use it to 
blow your IQ right out of the water. I mean, just to rise above the way most people think, not to dominate or to act superior, just to get along in a life where there's unity and diversity and unlimited options and possibilities all at play at the same time. And you'll be able to comprehend that. The one, the dual nature of things, and the middle way, which opens up a fourth possibility, a fifth option, a sixth alternative, a seventh way of looking at things, and so on and so forth. So, podcast people, thanks a lot for being with us. Talk to you again soon. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from LA.